Would you pray with me this morning, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're here. Thank you for today. We miss those who aren't here. Bless them. Lord, we're here to hear you. Thank you for this series of messages on the Psalms. Lord, may we glean from them today what we need for our life. May it change our hearts and change our lives today. We believe that's possible, and we ask you to do that in Jesus' name. I want to preach about the wrath of God. Yeah. We all know about the wrath of God. There's a nice picture there on your bulletin of the wrath of God. You know, the world blames every bad thing on God. It's always an act of God. How come they never say when something good happens it's an act of God? It's always the bad things. That's what most people have as a picture of God. The guy with the big club up there. You do something wrong, you're going to pay. And if I can't touch you personally, I'll make sure the life around you is rotten. I'll use the weather, I'll use anything I can to make your life miserable. Just to try to get you in line. Raise your hand if that's the way you parented your children. Our Father God doesn't parent us that way. Oh, I'm so blessed to know that. I want to start just for a couple minutes way back at the beginning of creation. Why did God create two sides? Everything was good in the Garden of Eden. But you know, God knew that man would make a mistake. Sin. So he must have had, (laughs) this is wrong, a contingency plan. It's not a contingency plan. He must have had a plan from the beginning about this creation he loved so much, especially the people in it who are his crowning achievement. He must have had a plan to make a way for those people to always be with him. Is that the God you know? I hope so. I wouldn't want to be serving any other kind of God. See, man fell in his moral weakness, but God saw that coming. So he had a plan in the moral weakness of man for man to overcome it. There is a moral order in the world. It's part of God's creation because his creation is a part of his nature. And if it's a part of his nature, it's got to be him. He has a moral order. And what happens when we try to transgress that order? We suffer. Suffering came into the world when God's moral order was first broken. And it's been that way ever since. But praise God, he's got a way to redeem his loved ones back to himself. Now, if you look at your bulletin there, it says, the Psalms part 7, wrath. Which is it? It says, Old Covenant, Psalm 78.9. God cast on his people the fierceness of his anger, wrath, indignation, and trouble by sending angels and destruction among them. Now, does that sound like he's got a claw? It sure does. He cast it on them. I have to make you pay so that you will understand. That's what it sounds like. And then Psalm 95.11. I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. That's the only way I can show them. And then there's the new covenant. Just a couple of scriptures there. Colossians 3.6. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. It's coming. Does it sound like it was sent by God? Not really. It's just coming. But it certainly has a different 
flavor than the old covenant connotation of what we think of as wrath. And then Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. Sounds like God now is choosing where his wrath is going to lie. Are these two different gods we're talking about? Two different kinds of wrath? Look, if God's the same yesterday, today, forever, he's got to be the same in the old covenant as in the new covenant. So the wrath's got to be the same. Well, what's the difference? Let's remember, Psalms are songs and lyrics written by creative people who do not have the full revelation of God. They're using what they have, human language, to try to best describe what's going on inside of them as they're trying to understand this God that they're, they're serving. There's an increasing revelation of this God. I don't want to get theological, but there's the pre-prophetic, there's the prophetic, and then there's the messianic. And every time a season comes, God increases what he will let people know about himself, getting ready for the ultimate revelation, the full revelation of himself in Jesus. We can't know the full revelation. We can't understand it unless Jesus comes to show us. Jay mentioned it last week. He used Psalms in his message, then he went to the Gospels. He kept switching from the Old Testament to the New Testament because he knows too, you can't look at the Old Testament and get a full revelation of God. You've got to see how it's worked out as it passes through the cross and in the New Covenant, how God shows through Jesus exactly who he is 100%. And in order to do that, when we talk about wrath, we look at Romans chapter 1 through 3. I took a course, I don't know, 15 years ago, whatever it was. title of the course was Romans 1 through 3, From Wrath to Righteousness. So in this first three chapters of Romans, we have the Apostle Paul perhaps the greatest scholar of his day. He studied under the greatest scholar, Gamaliel, so that Paul probably knew the Old Testament scriptures down pat. He could certainly quote them, many of them. Smart man. So he takes what he knew before and what he knows now about Jesus and he writes the book of Romans, the first three chapters, telling us about how wrath becomes righteousness. That's like a college course he's writing. Before he talks about the wrath of God in the book of Romans, he starts, so let me start in in verse 16. He talks about the good news. Oh, I'm glad he starts talking about good things first. By the way, I'm reading from a translation by William Barclay, who did Barclay's commentaries on the New Testament. I'm quite sure that the good news never let me down, for it is the saving power of God to everyone who accepts it, first to the Jews and to the Greeks. In it, the good news, is God's way of setting men right with himself, and it's revealed as beginning and ending by faith. Now, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But let's go on to verse 18. No one can fail to see that the wrath of God from heaven is directed against 
In other words, it's clear for everybody to see that the wrath of God is directed on earth towards... I'm not going to say somebody because God doesn't direct his wrath at people because people aren't the enemy. This morning or last night while I was reading this, I had to put a mark in here. The wrath of God in heaven is directed against all the impious wickedness of men. Okay? I just said it wrong. I put a line someplace because it's not directed at men. The wrath of God from heaven is directed against all the impious wickedness. It's against the enemy. Now I know that people who have aligned themselves with the enemy have chosen to be affected by the wrath of God, but the wrath is not towards the people, it's towards the enemy. Directed against all the impious wickedness now of men who are wickedly obstructing the progress of the truth. Those people who have aligned themselves with the wrath of God. But you know, God made a way for us not to align ourselves with the wrath of God. Because when you were born, you were automatically aligned with the wrath of God. Because, I know you didn't choose it, but all humans are part of the human race. There is a unity of the human race. And this unity is ours whether we want it or not. We are part of it. And part of the unity of the human race on earth is it's a fallen world. You were born into fallenness. As cute as Andrew is, Andrew will have to make a decision someday about where he wants to stand. He's cute. I like him. But that doesn't mean he's not going to have to deal with the issue of the wrath of God. He will. Because it will be plain to him just like it's plain to everybody on earth. One way or the other. And then Paul goes on to list a whole litany of behaviors that show people who have aligned themselves with the wrath of God. I don't want to go through the list, but I want to skip down to verse 32. Although these people were well aware that in the judgment of God, those who are guilty of such conduct deserve to die, they not only practice, practice these things themselves, the word practice means lifestyle. That's what the Greek word means. It doesn't mean you do it once in a while. It means you try to do it as often as you can so you get better and better at it. People who practice this, these things, and also they applaud others who practice it. These are people under the wrath of God. We skip over to chapter 3. Go to the end of the course already. Verse 21. I love this word in the Bible. But, but, God's going to say there's something different going on here. That's not the end of the story. But a new situation has arisen. Something has been added to the mix. So people do not have to live under the wrath of God any longer. Would you like to live there? Hello? Come on, would you like to live there? We don't want to live under the wrath of God, do we? No. 
new situation has arisen. Verse 22. It is a way of being put into a right relationship with himself, which God has provided. That right relationship is reached through faith in Jesus Christ. Period. Plus nothing. Faith in Jesus Christ. And it is offered to a few people once in a while who have faith. Doesn't sound right, does it? To all who have faith. There is no distinction. All have sinned. All have lost the divine glory which they were meant to have. And all can enter into a right relationship with God as a free gift by means of His grace through the act of deliverance which happened in Jesus Christ. Skipping down to verse 26 in the middle. God nevertheless puts the man who has faith in Jesus into a right relationship with himself. God puts us there. What do we have to do? Believe. Have faith in Jesus. That's it. We don't have to do anything to be right with God. We get right with God and then He does something in us. I hope that's true. Otherwise, you better leave. Because I'll be the only righteous one here. I don't want to go there. You see, wrath and righteousness are actually opposites. The opposite of wrath is not niceness. It's not kindness. It's not goodness. The opposite of wrath is righteousness. The opposite of righteousness is not dirty. Filthy, ugly, unrighteous. No. The opposite of righteous is wrath. Wrath is a position. It doesn't have anything to do with behavior. Look at the bottom of your notes there. In the full New Testament revelation of God, we learn that both wrath and righteousness are not emotions or behaviors. God doesn't get up in the morning and say, I feel bad today, I think I'll find a few people to smite just because I'm a wrathful person. Or I'm going to find a person who did something yesterday I didn't like, smack them around for a while, maybe they'll learn. Like I said before, I'm glad my dad didn't do that to me. It has nothing to do with emotions, and it has nothing to do with behavior. Rather, they are both positions of relationship with God. It's where we stand before God. Whoever does not stand before God as pleasing to God lives under the wrath of God. That doesn't mean they're evil, terribly rotten people. People under the wrath of God can still do good deeds, but they're still lost, and God's wrath is going to be poured out on them because they put themselves under there. Which shower do you want to be under? The one where mud comes out or the one where there's clean water? But God has made a way for every single person to make a decision to live under the righteousness of God, to live in a right relationship with God, be righteous, be His righteousness. Raise your hand if you're the righteousness of God. Come on, believer, put your hand up in the air. I don't care what you think, it doesn't make any difference. I don't know what you think. I don't know what the Word says. The Word says you, believer, are the righteousness of God. You're the righteousness of Christ. You are righteous before Him. Otherwise, you'd be lost and damned to hell. It's a place. It's a position you're in. 
wrath. Man's position before God without Christ. Righteousness. Man's position before God with Christ. Where do you want to be? You choose. I know what you're going to say. I bet you. Who wants to be under God's wrath? Who wants to be in that position with the loving creator of the universe? Of course we all want to be. You probably wouldn't be in this building this morning if you didn't at one time decide, I want to be under the righteousness of God. If you've never done that, maybe this morning's the morning to do it. Just get with somebody so your confession is out there in the world for other people to hear. I believe Jesus. Thank you, Father, for sending him here. I believe Jesus died for my sins. My sins are now covered under the blood. I'm now white and clean, and I can stand before God as his righteousness. That's it. Now, you don't have to say the exact words I said. I mean, I did it watching TV by myself. And I know everybody has a story about when they first came into God's righteousness. Some great stories out there, I know. Again, as I said before, you probably wouldn't be here if you hadn't decided at some time in your life that you wanted to be in right relationship with God. So you put yourself there. By the grace of God, you made a decision so that He could consider you now righteous. No longer under His wrath. For a picture this morning, let's say just the righteousness of God is here. Right relationship with God. The wrath of God's over there without Christ. As I said before, there's people over here where this wrath is. They're going to do some good things. Just because social pressure, there's a whole lot of reasons. I know rotten people have done good things. A lot of things in this world are done by people who don't know Jesus and who have actually turned away from Jesus on purpose. And they still do some good things. And I also know some people over here, the righteousness of God, who have chosen to do some rotten things. But here, listen. For me personally, I don't believe you can waffle between wrath and righteousness. You're either in one place or the other. Once you're here, right with God, you are there. Can you make a decision to give up the righteousness of God and then go over and now be in the wrath of God? Lord, I don't know why. I can't comprehend it. I'm not saying some people haven't done it. I don't know. And that doesn't mean that I'm standing here right with God, that I haven't done some things that look standing under the wrath. My wife used to say when she first got saved, I was not saved. So I would goad her and prod her into doing some things that I wanted her to do that belong over there. She didn't want anybody to know she was a Christian because she didn't want to have a bad testimony about the Lord. But that doesn't mean she was under the wrath of God. I was. And she was right with God. You have to be careful, by the way. Don't take one snippet of a person's life and that proves where they are. Because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And every once in a while, I fall back into some old habits and say or do something that might look like I'm under the wrath of God. But I'm not. I'm not bragging about it. 
I'm just telling you what the Word says. I've got to believe the Word because that's the only way I'm going to live. 1 John 4.18 Oh, let me start at 16. God is love. So then, if a man lives a life of love, he enters into the life of God, and the life of God enters into him. As far as we are concerned, love reaches its peak in that we are certain that on the day of judgment we have nothing to fear. Why? Because our relationship to this world is the same as Jesus's was. Oh, come on. Hooray! Our relationship to this world, where God's wrath is, is the same as Jesus's was. We have put ourselves in the same box as Jesus. God has put us there, but we've asked him to do it. Now listen. In love there is no fear. So far from that, perfect love banishes fear. Fear is connected with punishment. I believe this is true. Why does it look like so many Christians are partly under the wrath of God and partly under the righteousness of God? Because we have so much fear in our life. We're afraid of being punished by God. People under the wrath of God are going to be punished by God. That's what the Bible says. People under the righteousness of God are going to the white throne of judgment and be rewarded. That doesn't mean if we sin, there's not consequences. That's another issue. I'm just talking about position today, okay? When we're afraid, we're usually afraid because we believe God has brought us up short or we have brought ourselves up short. There's something wrong with me. That is a totally ungodly statement. If you are standing under the righteousness of God, there's nothing wrong with you. Zero. Yes, we have to live and mature and become more like Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. But we can do that and still be right with God. Look at your own kids. You don't say to them when they're three years old, you smack them across the face and say, when you get to be 18, I'll finally be able to trust you and do the right thing. We would send that person to jail. And yet, that's the way we look at our Heavenly Father sometimes. Like He's always punishing us for something. He has no reason to punish us. We're right with Him. He's not going to punish us. He's going to lead us and guide us by His Holy Spirit. But when we get afraid, punishment causes blame. We're either going to blame ourselves, but hey, I don't want to blame me. It's not my fault. I did my best. Must be. I know who it is. It's her fault, obviously. She's the one who made it happen in my life. Because she didn't do something. Or she did do something. So we got a choice this morning. We've had a choice. We've already made the choice, probably. Where do you want to stand? You want to stand right with God? We're not right with God. And when we stand there, what's our attitude going to be? I don't want to stand here right with God and act like I'm not. I don't want to think like I'm not either. That's our problem. Our mind gets messed up by the world that's trying to tell us all these lies about God. Jay talked about that last week. Let me tell you about the past six months of my life. Now remember... I'm right with God. 
you don't have to believe it because my words speak it. Follow me around and I challenge you to show me where I'm not right with God. Because my heart is, God knows, to work with him and partner with him in my life so that my life honors and glorifies him alone. And he's bigger than my ability to fail. Praise God. My ability to fail can never measure up to his ability to keep me right. February 13th, I had vertigo. I couldn't walk straight. I threw up for 10 hours. So I sat there in the hospital bed in the emergency room. I just came under the wrath of God. You think I did that? Hello? Wait a minute. I couldn't walk, couldn't stand up, and I was thrown up all over the place, and I was right with God? What's that all about? People, we live in a fallen world. The fallen world is going to affect me and my body. With God's help, I'm praying that doesn't happen in my spirit and my soul, but in my body it's going to happen. Just like Jesus, he walked on earth, he had to have his feet washed. Now, why did I get vertigo? Well, you know, I can come up with a whole lot of reasons, but I'll tell you what, in that next three-week period, they found out I had a protein, high-protein level on my blood, which sent me on this path to lead to the diagnosis of multiple myeloma. Without that vertigo, they never would have done that test. Now, did God say, I'm going to give Tim vertigo so that they can do that test? I don't believe it. But once I got vertigo, God could say, I'm going to move in this. I'm going to take something good out of this rotten situation. Because a little over three weeks later, I was at a conference. A guy came over and prayed for me. I was healed of vertigo. It was like God said, okay, I'm going to use this. But then it's done being used. We don't need it anymore. So then I was back in the right standing with God after being in God's wrath. No. So I go to the, for the diagnosis April 18th. Tim, there's cancer in your body. It's in your bone marrow. Plasma cells. Oh no, I just fell under the wrath of God. Think I said that? No. Was I happy about it? Not really. I'm going to jump for joy and say, good. God's going to be strong. I did say that, but it wasn't with totally happy feelings. Three weeks later, I had to start chemo. Chemo has side effects. For the first couple of sessions, I was fine. Nothing was changed. I did my daily routine. Then come the third and fourth cycle, as the side effects started to kick in. Oh, no. I felt so good before. I was right with God. And now I'm just stepping over the line again. I was right with God all along. That's just the way chemicals and drugs are in your body when they try to change your body chemistry so it'll do something that it's not meant to do, but they got to do it there so that they can get rid of some of this toxins by putting more toxins and then the side effects of the toxins, you, gotta put, you know what I'm saying. That's the only thing they know how to do in 2013. I've been prayed for many times. Why has it not totally gone away? I don't know. We're just going to keep praying. I'm going to keep doing what we're doing. So now I've got to have the stem cell harvesting to get ready for the transplant. So a week ago Thursday, 
a week ago Thursday. Three weeks before that, I had my last chemo, so the, the side effects started going away and dissipating, and a week ago Wednesday, I had one good day where I felt almost normal. I feel good. The next day, I had to start on the drugs for the uh, stem cell harvesting, so forget that. Jenny started giving me two shots every morning. Well, the nurse showed her how. Two shots every morning, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> Drove to New York City that afternoon. That night, I had the super shot. The shot cost $10,000. Separates the stem cells from the fat cells, so the stem cells go into the blood, so they can put blood through this machine, which takes out the stem cells. They didn't have this machine before, by the way. Four or five years ago and before that, they had to go into your sternum, inside and get the stem cells out of the bone. And if it didn't work, they had to go in both hips. Well, we just prayed, 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 prayed. The next morning I went to the place. There was a mix-up in other, the other, other medications I had. It didn't, things weren't processed properly. My charts were not misplaced. And it's like, oh, I fell under the wrath of God again. No, it was just human mistakes. While we were all, I was kind of jumbled up about this, though, there was a lady in the waiting room. She told me her name in Spanish. It starts with J, that's all I know. That means you have an H sound. But she was on the phone. She was talking about her to the undertaker in the funeral parlor. As we found out, it was her infant son who had died, and they didn't process it properly. And this lady weighed about 300-something pounds. She was not attractive physically. But I'll tell you, God just rose something up inside of me. And I just saw her the way he did. And I just went over to her and said, do you mind if I pray for you? She said, go ahead. So I just laid my hand on her shoulder and just prayed. Boy, that took away all my upsetness about my records being lost there. Because I knew that was God. Am I right with God in that? You betcha. Because God told me to do that. And I, just, I know he did. So I went through the process. Got hooked up on the machine at 10 o'clock, 3 o'clock. It was done. You probably, if you're normal, have 60 to 70 stem cells per cubic milliliter or something, however they measure it. What they try to do is boost you up so you have at least 100, because then they can get more stem cells out of your blood as it's passing through this machine. I had 158. Going to go well. And then they got to get 10 million stem cells. In that 10 to 3, they got 14 million. So the technicians kept coming over and congratulate me and say, good, you're only going to have to be here one day. Now we had another mix-up because my caseworker was on vacation. She gave the, my case to somebody else. Communication didn't happen well. I gave the doctor my cell phone. And I was supposed to get a call that says, you don't need to come back for any more treatments. We got it in one day. They called at 5.30, but they called my house phone in Hyde Park. I was agitated, I must admit. I was agitated because I didn't get the phone calls until later on as the uh, evening went on. And that agitation made it less possible for me to hear the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Because I know the Holy Spirit spoke to me. What did he say? Call your father, Tim. Call your father at home and see if you got any messages. I didn't do it. But because I didn't know they had enough stem cells, I had to take another one of those $10,000 shots that night at 10 o'clock which, by the way, causes, let me just say, I had to take a modium and some other drugs. <laughs> so I went in that morning. We're walking down the hallway, and there's the nurse. She looks up and goes, like, what are you doing here? I looked at Jenny and went, 
And I know what I'm doing here. So she said, let me check. So they checked. I had enough stem cells. I didn't have to do it again. Now, I'll tell you, my old self, I would have been hot. Forget the $10,000 shot. And I would have said, I want to see your supervisor. But there was this lady sitting in the waiting room. Cecilia. She was walking with a cane. You think she was as old as we are? Yeah, about our age. She had the port where they were going to put their, the blood through to go through the machine. And we got talking with Cecilia. Came up. She's a Christian, of course. And we just had a, we had a great time in the Lord. We prayed. I said, can I pray for you? She said, no. I want us to pray for each other. So we sat there, the three of us, and just prayed and prayed and prayed. I said, Celia, you know, I'm not supposed to be here this morning, but if you are the only reason I'm here, I praise God. I'll take the shot. We'll probably be talking to the doctor on September 5th when we go to New York City for a follow-up. We'll talk about the procedures that got messed up just because that's a good idea. So maybe you can help somebody the next time. What I want you to see is I could have thought along the way that I was jumping in and out of being right with God if my attitude was wrong. If I believe God is smacking me and trying to get me into the right place so I'll be a good boy, then what am I doing? Up and down, up and down, up and down, right, wrong, right, wrong, right, wrong, depending on what's happening to me and around me. That's not God. Praise God we were settled in the fact, and I'll tell you, your prayers had a lot to do with it. We were settled in the fact that we were right with God. We were right where He wanted us to be. We had the right doctor. He knew the right thing to do for me. And every blood test I had, though I had to go through the whole process, showed that I was on a good path. My body responded well to everything. Somebody who was standing over here in the wrath of God without the resources of God and the settledness and peace of God to know that I don't care what's in the world. I'm right with God and that's, what makes, that's what's most important to me. That's going to guide everything in my life. If I don't have that, what's going to happen when I go into the hospital? Every little thing I'm going to either blame myself, oh, I should have, oh, I should have done this, oh, I should have called, oh, I should have connected my cell phone to my home phone but I forgot and I should have done this no it's my fault wait a minute it's not my fault nurse it's your fault (laughs) I gave you the number doctor and you didn't give it to anybody to call the right number and hey caseworker you went on vacation during my week and you forgot to tell the person who was substituting for you that this was in my chart da 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 that would drain me of all the resources physical resources I need just to get through the thing no wonder I was the best off person there. It's not because of me. I'm right with God, and that's my desire in life, and He's going to take care of everything else, and whatever else I go through, I've got to believe where it says so. He is with me every step of the way. I want to ask you this morning, what are you going through right now? Everybody's going through something. Everybody. Everybody's got the opportunity to see themselves right with God and to stay there and live there. When that fear comes, when you find yourself start blaming yourself or blaming somebody else, just go, Lord, I know that's not you. I'm going to step back over here. It doesn't make sense to me, but I know that you love me and I know I'm right with you. We're tight. 
And that's the most important thing to me. My life is guided by what you speak to me and how much I love you. That's the only way, people. Is there wrath explained in the Old Covenant in the Psalms? Yes. But it's not the full revelation. We've got to pass it through the cross. Look at what it says in the New Testament. So that we get the entire Testament. Not just the Old, not just the New. The whole picture. And when we get the whole picture, aren't you and I happy where we live in the New Covenant? Stand with me, please. Would you just raise your hands to the Lord? Lord, we love you. We love you. We can't love you enough. But we want to love you more today, more tomorrow, more the next day. We believe your word. We believe in the full revelation of Jesus Christ. We believe that we stand in right standing before you, Heavenly Father. And that you will not move us out of that place. And by your grace and mercy, we don't want to take one little toenail step out of that circle. Whenever any of our words or thoughts or actions show us that we're inching out of the right standing with God, Lord, please let us know immediately. You've given us a way to stay in right standing with you. Praise God, we don't have to do the blood sacrifice anymore to be there. But all we need is the sacrifice of Jesus our Lord, which has already been made for all time. And the one teeny little spot drop of blood that sprinkled on us when we called you our Lord and Savior for the first time, that little bit of blood was enough to keep us clean forever. So we love you and praise you, Lord. Now, Lord, solidify this truth inside of us. Make us strong inside so that all of our thoughts and actions and deeds are led from the inside by your spirit and not by the world. Thank you, Lord. You can do this in us and with us. Bless you, Lord. Now send us on our way with even more revelation of your love, how much you love us. For we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in God. Amen.